Hi everyone, I'm Asma and I'm happy to welcome you to the PwC Workforce podcast series on wage withholding tax incentives. This podcast is part of a series tackling key issues organizations are facing today on their most important asset, their workforce. Today, we will focus on the wage withholding tax incentives and the message is clear. Audits are coming, so be prepared rather than be in a waiting position and let's take a proactive look at this. Two of my colleagues, Thomas and Dries, who are specialized in employment taxes, will provide you with more insights on this topic. In addition, I will also have the pleasure to be joined today by Lotte van Steen from Kronos Group Tax Team. Welcome to all of you. Thank you very much for the invite. You're welcome, Lotte. Before deep diving into the topic of today, I believe it is important to learn a bit more about your company, Lotte. Could you expand a bit on this? Yes, of course. We are a group of Belgian companies specialized in IT. All of our companies have their own IT specialization. We consider ourselves as one of the front runners in IT. To make sure we keep our position as a front runner, the Kronos Group searches for new opportunities in IT all over the world on a daily basis. We introduce, develop, and use the newest and most innovative technologies. Due to the IT revolutions in all aspects of our lives, investing in R&D isn't only important, but it's also a necessity. Clear. Thanks a lot. The topic of today is about the R&D wage withholding tax incentive and how to tackle the wave of audits coming on this. I believe PwC has been assisting you with both tackling some of these audits and preparing for audits to come. Now, let's deep dive into the topic. And first, I would like to start with a very general question for you, Thomas. We are talking about wage withholding tax incentive, but could you maybe clarify a bit more? What is the incentive? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, basically, the entire full name, which is quite a mouthful, is the partial exemption of remittance of wage withholding taxes for research and development, um, which is, as I said, uh, uh, quite a mouthful. Uh, but what does it mean exactly? Basically, it's it's a, a, a payroll incentive. It's it's a tax incentive, but it's through uh, the payroll of companies um, that gives you uh, an incentive if you employ people on on a Belgian payroll uh, that are performing. R&D activities. So I think it's important um, to, to, to mention there has been a study on this uh, by the Federal uh, Plan Bureau, uh, which concluded that this incentive actually works. So the goal is, of course, um, to, to, uh, to enable companies to hire more R&D staff, to do more R&D activities, uh, consequently, in Belgium. And there has been a study, okay, this tax incentive, uh, payroll incentive, it actually works. Um, but of course, uh, there are conditions related to that uh, tax incentive. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll come back to, to most of them later on in the podcast, but uh, uh, allow me to, to, to briefly summarize uh, before kicking off. So the first one um, is, uh, I, I'll call it a formality. But as we'll say uh, a bit later on, it's not a formality, it's, it's a necessity. Um, that is a notification at Belspo. Uh, and Belspo is actually um, the, 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 the federal um, agency for scientific affairs in Belgium. They're, um, uh, they are um, entitled um, to, to assess, um, uh, assess R&D activities in Belgium. 
Uh, you have to be notified. So first of all, on, on the Bellspo portal, so on the website, you have to notify your company as, okay, I'm doing R&D activities, uh, a very important one, because if you don't do that, um, you cannot apply the uh, incentive before the date you apply at the website. Um, so that's the first one, the Bellspo, uh, Bellspo condition. Uh, the second one is the uh, employees you're requesting the incentive for need to have a qualifying degree. Um, so they need, um, and this is the general rule for most companies, um, they need uh, at least, or at least they need one of the three. They need a PhD, a master's, or since 2018, a bachelor's degree also qualifies. But not just any degree, it needs to be in um, exact sciences. Um, so, for example, uh, civil engineering, industrial engineering, mathematics, degrees like that. Um, but on the other hand, degrees uh, like uh, commercial sciences um, or uh, e economics, um, in, in essence, or psychology, uh, they don't qualify. So it needs to be in an exact science study area. And third condition, uh, of course, um, speaks for itself, but still a very important one. Um, there need to be actual R&D activities performed. And you can only apply it for the time people actually spend on R&D activities. Um, so I hope this gives you uh, some, uh, some, uh, some more insight on this. Yes, thank you, Thomas. It is clear, I think, now for everyone. And I believe it is important to bear in mind that there are specific conditions, as you mentioned, to respect, but also formalities around the request for such incentive as well. Thank you, Thomas. But to come back now to the audit itself. Last year, lots of audits were performed on this specific topic, on the wage withholding tax incentives. And we see that this is not stopping, stopping Sorry, as this year we still see a lot my feeling, but of course it is a perception which could be wrong, is that it appears clearly that the rules of the games are quite strict and formal. Am I wrong? Maybe a lot. Can you elaborate a bit on this? Yeah, sure. We have had several audits concerning this tax incentive. In our opinion, most of these tax incentives were focused on the formal conditions. For example, the Bellspo application. The burden of proof is very heavy and it differs with each tax inspector. Every tax inspector has their own way of performing an audit. And the outcome of these tax audits are very different with each tax inspector. In our experience, the formal conditions take precedence over the actual R&D conditions. Okay. And Thomas or Dries, do you share the same experience? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it has been quite some years, I must say, uh, with a lot of tax audits and um, a lot of different outcomes, often de depending on the tax inspector themselves. Uh, so I completely agree with Lotte. Um, and also, if I might add, I, th there should be more consistency, in my opinion, in those tax audits. Um, but often it really depends on, on, on the type of tax inspector, how the tax inspection uh, goes, uh, but indeed uh, share uh, exactly the same experiences as, uh, as Lotte. Okay, clear. Uh, thank you. I would say that it is important to be prepared then, but also to be advised properly and timely when it goes to such an audit. It is clearly not just simply presenting documents on a story. Um, could you maybe please provide us with um, some lessons learned from the previous audits? Uh, yes, of course, Asma. Um, an audit usually refers to a previous income year than the current one. 
So, for example, in 2021, the application of the exemption for income year 2019 will be examined uh, by the tax authorities. This, of course, has an important effect on the collection of the information. Uh, the first important remark on this relates to the requirement to have a degree in, in exact science, so a bachelor, master or PhD degree. Uh, we often see during a tax audit that the degrees are not immediately available uh, and still need to be collected uh, from the employees. So it often happens that an employee has left the company, so no degree is available. And that's a problem because if no copy of the degree can be provided to the tax authorities, uh, no exemption for that employee can, can be claimed. So this can lead to substantial corrections. Um, also related to the condition of the degrees, um, or the employees with a foreign degree. So for the foreign degrees, uh, we must receive confirmation from Belspo. Uh, so Belspo need to say that the degree is equivalent to a Belgian degree. So that the master degree can uh, is the same as a master degree in Belgium. Uh, but we regularly see that they cannot be considered equivalent to a master's degree and therefore, or a bachelor degree or don't qualify for the measure. Um, and that has an impact on the application of the exemption, of course. Uh, so that's very important. So therefore, it's important that the degrees are already available at the company. And therefore, we propose to um, collect the degrees on the onboarding process uh, for the new employees. Uh, in that case, we can submit the degrees to Belspo and verify whether the degree is equi equivalent to a Belgian degree and if the degree is uh, eligible for uh, the R&D exemption. Uh, Another important thing is that not all uh, non-European uh, degrees can be confirmed by Belspo. And there's another institution, the NAREC, and they can uh, give official recognition of the foreign degrees. But this procedure can take a lot of time and mostly between three or six months uh, to have an answer from the NAREC. So therefore, it's really important that we receive uh, the degrees uh, when the employee starts uh, their job at the company. Uh, maybe a short uh, story from our experience some time ago. Uh, for a company who had an audit, we need to collect 500 degrees uh, in a period of a month of time. So that was very uh, time consuming and challenging. And uh, I think we have worked a couple of weeks full time to do the collection of the information. So it's very important that that's done uh, before an audit occurs. Uh, quite the same story for the R&D related information. So we need to show the tax authorities that R&D activities are carried, carried out. And we also need to show uh, the time spent uh, from the employees on the R&D activities. So a simple way to demonstrate the time spent on R&D activities is the use of time registration. But this is not always sufficient for the tax authorities. So they ask more information and more supporting documents to show uh, the involvement on the R&D activities on the R&D projects from the R&D uh, employees. Uh, it's also more difficult to collect this information afterwards uh, during the tax audit and in advance. So, and the deadline is also very short, mostly uh, a month. So therefore we prefer, we prefer to organize in forehand a workshop meeting with the R&D manager where we can analyze uh, the time spent on the R&D projects. So there are two things that we do during the workshop meetings. So first of all, we look at the R&D uh, projects, so we can um, see which projects refer to R&D and which projects do not refer to R&D. And the second part is to see uh, which employees are involved on which R&D projects. So we can all allocate the time of the employees on the R&D projects. Uh, 
And a third thing that we do is to see which information is available to sustain the claim and to um, to uh, prove that the R&D activities were spent on these projects. So, and based on this information, uh, we make up a defense file. So in the defense file, all the information about the employees were uh, all the information is mentioned of the employees who are eligible for the measure based on their degree uh, and also all the information of their time spent on R&D projects and the information about the R&D projects. So that's a very important document that can be used in case of a tax audit to show uh, that the file is correct and everything is done correctly. Uh, now Thomas will give some more information about the formalities in relation with the tax audits. Yeah, indeed, um, because uh, that was the first condition we talked about, uh, the BELSPO uh, formality. Um, I, we kept using the word formality, but uh, as I said, it's not only a formality, it's, it's actually a necessity, um, because there have been some tax audits, and, and uh, uh, Lotte can uh, attest to that, uh, I, uh, I, I can assure, um, where the tax inspector, uh, although there was a clear file with all degrees available, um, the R&D projects were clearly demonstrated, there might have even been times, uh, timesheets available um, but there is a mentioning in the law about okay you have to notify at Belspo so as I said you can only apply the incentive if you did the notification there's no other way around it you have to be notified on the Belspo site um, but even some companies that were notified and a lot of them even went to Belspo to have a meeting with them and to explain the activities and to receive a confirmation okay we are performing R&D activities and then Belspo calls it on a structural basis and you get a recognition as a structural R&D program so they did all of that, uh, but um, there's also on the Belspo portal uh, uh, a field you can complete with an end date of the program. But a lot of companies said, okay, end date, uh, what do you mean with an end date? Uh, that there is no uh, point in the future that we will stop doing R&D. Um, we will try to exist and innovate as long as we, as long as we live, so to speak. Um, but still, there was some strict case law on this, interpreting the law very strict, uh, which was then being applied by tax inspectors saying, okay, if I can find out, you didn't uh, mention an end date in Belspo, that's enough for me to refute uh, the full uh, exemption. And in some cases, even uh, up to five years, uh, five years back uh, with interest. So you can imagine um, these are uh, quite horrific scenarios whereby companies doing everything in good faith, actually performing uh, R&D activities are, are, are punished in a, in a really bad way. Um, so that is the, the very formalistic approach. And now even uh, a bit more recent, a couple of weeks ago, there was a parliamentary question saying that, okay, um, and, and the end date then, um, if you if you put a hypothetical end date, what to do then? Um, is that okay or not? Let's say 2025, 2030, um, or the year 3000, basically, the, there, there is no end date. Um, then the, the minister said, okay, that's also not sufficient. There has to be a realistic end date. Um, so I, in the meanwhile, together with Belspo, we have kind of a, a method to make sure those end dates are correct and that everything is, is done uh, correctly on a formal level. Um, but that's an, a really important one to know. Um, that formalism is, is really very important because a lot of tax inspectors look at it very strictly and the consequences of having not complied with it uh, can be really, really severe. Okay, clear, Thomas. Um, I, I would remember, I think that uh, formalities should not be seen as an administrative burden, but clearly as a necessity. Um, thank you. 
I'm still asking myself now on how to be prepared for 2019 and future. I mean, more on a practical perspective. Would you have any concrete advice here? Maybe we can start with you, Lotte. Yes, thank you. As I already said earlier in this podcast, there is a very heavy burden of proof with this specific tax incentive. In our experience, it is very important to make sure every aspect of the case is linked very clearly in one document. It is important to present one clear file with all relevant puzzle pieces. For example, the employees, their timesheet codes, Frascati documentation, the project title, the project description, anything you can think of. To make sure we deliver a strong case, PwCA gave us some very valuable tips and tricks. Before our collaboration with PwCA, we delivered all these puzzle pieces separately and scattered, which made it, which made it harder for the tax inspector to make a good analysis of the R&D conditions of the tax incentive. If you can deliver one clear document with all the necessary links, the tax inspector can look at one file and see very clearly how all puzzle pieces fall together. This makes your case very strong. Thank you, Lotte. Uh, Thomas, maybe something to add? Um, yeah, and I think uh, everything Lotte uh, has said, I completely agree with. And I think as a company, it's primarily important to be aware um, of this incentive, this uh, subsidy, uh, to, to call it like that, that it's it's applied for <coughs> very easily. So basically through payroll, it, it's very easy to, to get this money, um, but it's not always that easy um, to demonstrate it in case of a tax audit. So that's really my advice to, 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 to all companies. Um, and that's something that, uh, the Kronos Group is doing really well now, um, uh, and we're helping uh, them uh, them with, is to be really aware of this incentive and know uh, what documentation you have available, uh, what can you use to demonstrate those R&D activities, and how can you make one strong file out of that. So that in case a tax inspector uh, comes, you at least have a very clear picture, okay, who has done what in terms of R&D activities, how can we prove that, what do we have available. So that's really my conclusion of, 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 of this this case be aware and and be prepared basically thank you that's already the end of this podcast i would like first to thank you lotte for having accepted the invite and having shared your experience with us thank you also thomas and dries for sharing your insights to briefly recap what has been said i will remember the following first the rmd wage withholding tax incentive is a substantial cash for benefits Two, conditions are, which are not always crystal clear need to be respected to benefit from this incentive as well as some formalities. Let's call it like that. Three, very strict audits are going on as we speak and collaboration with specialists in this field is key to prepare yourself appropriately. Thanks again, Lotte, Thomas and Dries. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find all podcast episodes on our website or on the different platforms. Stay tuned for our next episode. Have a nice day.